because you are faithful. We thank you because you are great. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you, God, that we can come into your presence this morning to worship you, to honor you, to glorify your matchless holy name. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that for the price that he paid that we might have eternal life. I pray this morning, Lord, you'll speak through me in such a way that lives will be transformed for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, before going into service sermon this morning, I want to tell you briefly about a book I've written called Keys to Avoid a Deception. I told mom and dad last night I'm going to talk just briefly about the book. It's called Keys to Avoiding Deception. And I've been asked a question many times, Huntley, why would you write a book on deception? Such a negative subject. And I'll tell you why I wrote this book. Um, you know, I was joking with Pastor Tim Lasser. I said, you know what? Not too many things scare me. You know, I have a black belt in the martial arts. So by the way, you'll be very nice to First Lady and Pastor Tim. Or we'll meet you afterwards, and I'll have to administer the right hand of fellowship, okay? <laughs> but um, not too many things scare me. But I read a few verses in the Bible that literally scared me half to death. You know, let me grab this mic for a second. Here you go, mic check. Oh, there you go. That literally scared me half to death. And they're from Matthew 21, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, that simply say, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. The verses go on. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did not we do all these things in your name? And Jesus says to them, depart from me. I never knew you. After reading those verses, I got real scared and I got concerned. And I had two questions. The first question I had was, who are these people? Who is Jesus talking about? He is obviously talking about people in church on Sunday morning. And the second question I had was, what do I need to do to guard myself so I never hear those words depart from me? I never knew you. So I went on this journey. And the journey started quite a few years ago. And... I went to Judson University, right outside of Chicago, for my undergrad degree. Wonderful Christian University. Following Judson, I went to Northern Illinois University. Good university, but not a Christian school. Secular university. And when I got there, they were asking me questions I couldn't answer effectively. Questions like, how do you know there's a God? How do you know the Bible has not been tampered with? How do you know all roads do not lead to God? And at the time, I did not have adequate answers for their questions. So one day I decided, you know, Huntley, we need to have a meeting. <laughs> so I did. I had a meeting with myself. I did. I sat down. I said to myself, okay, Huntley Brown, why do you believe what you believe? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why do you believe what you believe? And when I examined my belief system, I discovered my belief system was not based on my own critical thinking. It was based upon what I learned from my pastor, my brothers, my parents, and my friends. And I had one question. What if, just what if, there are things that they taught me that was wrong? How would I know? Because, you see, folks, I realize in life there are things you can be wrong about, not your eternal destiny. So I went on this journey to discover God for myself and to discover exactly why I believe what I believe. So the first question. The second question I had to answer was, who are you? Who am I? 
If I ask you this question, who are you? What would you tell me? I'm sure I'd hear answers like, well, I'm a student, I'm a nurse, I'm a farmer, I'm a doctor, I'm a pilot, whatever. Or you might say, who's Hunter Brown? People say a counselor, a pianist, a pastor. That is not who I am. That is what I do for a living. Same for you. You're not a farmer, a student, or a pastor. What are you? That's what you do for a living. So the question is, who are you? And the example I've used all the time, though, I know I'm in Michigan, okay? So please forgive me. Can you forgive me? Say yes, Hunter, we'll forgive you. Okay. Now, in the Chicagoland era, we love Michael Jordan. I love me some Michael Jordan, okay? And I must say this, to be honest, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls would never have become the Bulls that they were if it was not for the Detroit Pistons. I mean, that's true. Yes, okay. True story. Michael will say the same, okay? But if we ask you who's Michael Jordan, people will say the greatest basketball player to ever played the game, and that's true. Michael Jordan no longer plays professional basketball. So who is Michael Jordan today? This showcases the importance of not processing your identity through what you do for a living. Allow God to define you and then go with his definition. Now, in the book, the final key is called um, Life is Preparation for Final Exam. That's what I wrote before. Final exam. So I wrote, Life is Preparation for Final Exam. And we were ready to print, and the Lord said to me, No, Huntley, life is not preparation for a final exam. So I called the publisher and said, Stop, stop, stop. Don't publish yet. She said, What do you mean? I said, We have to change the last chapter. She said, What are you saying? Okay, I said, Here's what the Lord showed me. It's like my kids, and my kids are in school. By the way, my wife and myself, we have four daughters. We have Natalie, Natasha, Nicole, and Nadia. My wife says the next one is called No More. Okay? <laughs> you know, Pastor Tim, I was trying to follow your example I'm with five, but my wife said, No, enough is enough, okay? No, my kids, uh, when they're in school, what do they do? They study and they prepare for a final exam. At the end of the semester, they take a final exam. What do they do? They come home and they wait and they have one question. Did I pass or did I fail? There is nothing they can do about their final exam. It's already done. And the Lord showed me it is the same with life. When you die, there is nothing you can do about your final exam. All you are doing is waiting for God to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. So the question this morning, how are you doing on your final exam? And I must tell you about one of the key before we go into the sermon. I was in another state at a church, and um, my friend, the pastor, said to me, Huntley, we have a problem in church. I said, Pastor, what's going on? He said, well, I changed the worship format. And the people at the church do not like the new form of worship we're doing. And they have not left the church, but what they do, they come and they sit in the back, and they wait for the worship time to end, and they come in. So I got there and I saw this taking place and the Lord spoke to my spirit. When the Lord spoke to me, I didn't hear audible voice. Huntley, this is God talking to you. No. Okay. I don't hear that. I hear it internally. And how do you know you, you get this witness that's so strong that you know this is God speaking to you? And what the Lord showed me was the people on the outside did not understand worship. So I'm like, well, you know, Lord, I need more information. Talk to me. And here's what the Lord showed me. I'm going to talk to you quickly about this and we'll get to the sermon. What food don't you like this morning? Tell me anybody. What food don't you like? Anyone? Onions. onions you, Mr. Onions, let me see your hand. You don't like onions? Okay. 
I hate mushrooms. Ask Pastor Tim, okay. That sounds like you're a very good man, okay. I told Pastor Tim we can pray, we can deliver him from those mushrooms, okay. I hate mushrooms, and you hate onions. Now, suppose we're coming to see you guys, okay, and Pastor Tim says, okay, we're going to have a wonderful get-together, and we're going to build you a pizza, and we're going to bring onions and mushrooms. You say, no, uh, uh, no. No, suppose the next week we came back, and we're having the members meeting, and we have a potluck. We say, okay, let's build a pizza. What are we going to make? Onions and mushrooms. No, man, no, we don't like that. Suppose week after week, month after month, year after year, we keep bringing onions and mushrooms. After a while, we get angry. I would say, you guys have no respect for us. Why are you bringing us something that we do not like? And the Lord said, Huntley Brown, it is the same with worship. Huntley, worship is not about what you like. Worship is about what I like. If you're truly going to worship me, first figure out what I like and then offer it to me as true worship and I'll accept it. I'm like, okay, Lord, I understand now. And we could be here talking about worship all day. But those are some of the keys that are in the book. You can take a look at the table afterwards. But God is good. And all the time. One more time. God is good. And all the time. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open them to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And we are going to go from verses 46 to 52. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And this morning, we are going to study lessons from the life of Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Father, we thank you that you are the God of Bartimaeus. We thank you, Father God, that you are our God. And as we go into your word this morning, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you speak through these lips of clay. Allow me, Father, to proclaim your word with accuracy, excellence, and boldness. So that lives will be transformed for your kingdom in the mighty, powerful name that is above every other name. The name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. In studying the life of Bartimaeus, we are not given too much information. We're told he's blind, he's a beggar, and his name literally means son of Timaeus. But apart from that, we don't have a lot of information. 
But after carefully examining this passage, I discovered that there are some hidden truths. If we extracted these truths and applied to our lives on a daily basis, they'll make us more effective Christians. Lessons from the life of Bartimaeus. If you have pens and papers or your smartphones or iPads, you might want to write some of this down. Lesson number one. You don't determine your future. You determine your habits. And your habits will determine your future. Let me say that once more. You don't determine your future. You determine your habits. And your habits will determine your future. It's obvious Bartimaeus had a habit of listening. And you might say to me, Huntley Brown, come on. That is elementary preaching. Of course a man had to listen. What do you expect? He's blind. And you are 100% right. But I discovered you can be listening and not really listening. Now, can I make a confession this morning? Say, say yeah, man. Okay. Now, my wife is not here, so I can talk about her, Okay. There have been a few times I've been at home having a conversation with my wife. And I'm saying, yes, dear, no, dear, yes, dear, no, dear. And she'll stop. She'll say, honey, what did I just say? And I look up. Honey, why are you asking me to tell you what you just said? You know what you said. Why you want me to tell you what you said? And she said, you were not listening, were you? And I can't see all the ladies here smiling and say, you preach, Brother Huntley, you preach. Yes, that's right. That's exactly what's wrong with these guys. They refuse to listen. And I have to confess, I truly was not listening, even though I was the amen corner. And why is this important? Because when you listen on a certain level, sooner or later, you are going to hear something that is life-transforming. Have you ever read a passage? And one day you're reading the exact same passage. You say to yourself, wow, I've never seen that before. Even though you read the same passage many, many times. Let me give you an example of that, okay? Romans 8 verse 11 says this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Wow. I've read that passage many, many, many times. And one day I'm reading this passage, I saw something I never saw before. You know, last night at dinner, I was talking with Tim's parents, and we were talking about Israel. Love Israel. And I remember the first time I got to Israel, well, before we got into Israel, went into Jordan, went into Petra, and um, the, the guy showed us where Moses had the children of Israel, etc. When we drove up, got to um, Jerusalem, he said, okay, these are the places where Jesus walked. And I'm like, Jesus, I read about in scripture, walked right here. And you talk about going to the old city, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm here reading this passage. And guess what the passage says? And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Think about that. The same spirit that was in Israel that raised Jesus from the dead is here this morning. 
right now in you, in me, in all of us who name the name of Christ. When you go home, you think about that for a little bit. The exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here in Holland, Michigan this morning. What a mighty God we serve. You see, folks, when you listen, when you read on a certain level, you are going to hear something like this that's going to produce faith in you. And I believe that's what happened to Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus heard something that produced faith in him. And the question was, how did Bartimaeus gain faith? Better question, how does anyone in general get faith? The answer is found in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that says this. Romans 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me say again, faith cometh by what? And hearing by what? Notice it says faith cometh by having heard, a continuous process. And so the question is, what did Bartimaeus hear? I believe he heard that Jesus was a healer. And I believe he heard it over and over and over again. And you know, why is this important? It is important because what you hear often enough, you eventually believe. And what you believe determines your decisions, your direction, and your destiny. Let me say that once more. What you hear often enough, you eventually believe. And what you believe determines your decisions, your direction, and ultimately your destiny. So what did Bartimaeus hear? I believe he heard that Jesus was a healer over and over again. And if we were going to take the Bartimaeus story, and we're going to translate it to Michigan 2020. You know, I can say the story going like this. I can say Bartimaeus sitting by the football stadium waiting for the game to begin with his radio. And Bartimaeus and a couple of friends, you know, Pastor Tim and wife walks up. Barty, how you doing? Man, I'm just here chilling. And Bartimaeus is complaining to Pastor Tim, the lions, the lions, they have disappointed me again. Again, again, and again. What are, Pastor Tim, I have an idea. I know you believe in the power of prayer. Will you ask the church to pray for the, the lions? We, we need prayer, man. We need prayer. But Pastor Tim said, Bartimaeus, you are right. But guess what, Bartimaeus? I have good news for you. Really? What kind of good news do you have? Well, last week I took my parents. You know my parents like that guy from Jamaica named Huntley Brown. Bartimaeus, can you believe we went to Chicago? Bartimaeus said, where the bears play? Those dreaded, terrible bears? Yes, forgive us, Bartimus. Yes, we went to check the bears out, but after the game, we went to a concert by this guy from Jamaica named Huntley Brown. Well, before the concert began, a man named Jesus walked in. Do you remember Blind Fred? Yes, oh, yeah, we used to beg together. Well, Jesus touched Fred's eyes, and Fred can see. Oh, Pastor Tim, come on. I'm going to file a complaint with the church about you. You're trying to get my hopes up. But Pastor Tim said, Bartimaeus, I am telling you the truth. There's a man in town named Jesus who touched Fred's eyes and Fred can see. I can see Bartimaeus starting to think, saying, hmm, 
if this is true, this means one thing. Jesus is the son of David, meaning he is the Messiah. He is the one we are waiting for. And this leads us to lesson number two. Lesson number two. When opportunity knocks, that's not the time to prepare. When opportunity knocks, that is not the time to prepare. Many times people say to me, Huntley, what, did you, what, what do you need to do to get to Carnegie Hall? I tell you, you know, the saying, practice. Sometimes people say to me, um, how should I break into the music industry? I say, do something. Start by doing something. You know, a couple of years ago, I was in Wisconsin for a concert, and um, in the morning service, I heard this young lady play the piano. And by the way, I, I, I've seen you guys on YouTube, by the way, you did not know that. you got some wonderful musicians in this church. You guys keep up the good work. But I heard this young lady play the piano, and she was wonderful. I said, you know, at my concert, I stopped the concert. Uh, it's almost like um, Tony and your wife, just wave your hands. Go ahead, wave your hands. Give him a hand, by the way, for coming out this morning. Thank you guys for coming out. By the way, his wife is one awesome singer. Get in your praise team sometime. But anyway, I heard this wonderful young lady play the piano. At my concert, I stopped the concert. I said, the lady who played this morning, come here. Let's do a duet together. She came right on stage. She gave me a hymn. And we were off. Then she said this, you know, Huntley, the strangest thing happened this morning. After church, I went home and I said to myself, you know, what would happen if out the clear blue, Huntley calls me on stage and said, let's do a song together. What would I do? She said she panicked, but she went to practice without me knowing. So at the concert, I simply said, let's do I do it. She was ready. Why? Because when opportunity knocks, that is not the time to prepare. You want to do a business? Where's your business plan? You want to write a book? Where's your manuscript? You want to be a pastor? Are you practicing preaching? You want to do a, become a concert pianist? How much do you practice each day? The lesson is keep doing something towards your goal. And with God's help, you're going to be all right. Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. So when opportunity knocks, that is not the time to, pre to prepare. And I believe Bartimaeus was prepared. How do I know this? By the way, he acted. And I believe, I I, I believe Bartimaeus could be there at night thinking, what would it be like to get into the presence of Jesus? And he's dreaming, thinking, and he's saying, you know what? If I ever hear Jesus passing this way, he is going to know I am right here and I am going to receive my miracle, dreaming, thinking about it. And then one day, Bartimaeus heard a commotion. He said, what is going on? People said, oh, not a big deal, Bartimaeus. Just a man named Jesus is passing by. Who? Oh, nobody big, Bartimaeus. Just Jesus. The Jesus, my friend, Pastor Tim, told me about who heals Fred's eyes, the one I have been waiting for, that Jesus. And he started to scream, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Bartimaeus kept screaming. And the scripture uses a very strong but negative word. It said they rebuked him. That's a strong word, rebuked Bartimaeus. But he would not be denied he wasn't screaming before. It's the, Jesus! Jesus! 
And Bartimaeus kept screaming, why? Because of lesson number three. In order to get some miracles, you need to be desperate. How desperate are you this morning to see God work in your life, in your home, in your schools, in this country? How desperate are we today to see God work? Bartimaeus was desperate. And he kept screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you know, through scripture, we have many examples of desperate people. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we find the story of Hannah. Hannah was desperate. Why was she desperate? She could not have any babies. And she was desperate. She went to church and she prayed a prayer that the pastor, I call him the pastor, thought she was drunk. The question is, what kind of a prayer was Hannah praying? I will tell you, a desperate prayer. And the pastor confronted her and walked right into lesson number four. Lesson number four, perception is not necessary reality. You can perceive something, you can think it, but that does not mean it is true. The preacher thought Hannah was drunk under the influence, but Hannah said, no, I've not been drinking. I'm simply pouring out my heart to God because I am desperate. How desperate are you this morning? And something amazing happened. The pastor said to Hannah, go in peace and may God grant you what you have asked of him. A very interesting thing happened in this passage. The scripture says Hannah left church and she was no longer depressed. Her face was no longer downcast. Why? She was not leaving church with a baby. She was leaving church with a word. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the word to Hannah was, may God grant you what you have asked of him. A year later, she had her baby. You know, um, I was sharing with Pastor Tim this morning a story that happened right here in Michigan. A pastor friend of mine came to a concert I did many years ago. And the concert, he and his wife cried the whole concert. I, you know, I'm on the stage. I do not know what's going on. But anyway, a year later, I discovered what had happened. The pastor and his wife couldn't have any children. And they tried miscarriage after miscarriage. And they had just been through another miscarriage and really discouraged. A friend called them and gave them a word and said, okay, you know what? Why don't you find a Bible verse to stand on? And let's go to prayer and trust God and believe God for a miracle on your behalf. So they gave him a verse. And everybody agreed to stand on this verse. So the pastor said to me, he said, well, they got to church the morning. I don't know who was preaching, but the person who preached used the verse. And his wife got excited. She said, wow, honey, honey, here, the verse, here's the verse. And he said, no, um, no, I'm not getting excited. I got to hear that verse three times before I can get excited. So now, I drove from Chicago that afternoon without having any clue of this. 
And in the middle of my concert, I said the verse. And they started crying. A year later, they had the baby. And last time I was in Halloween, not last time, maybe about two years ago, the pastor shared the testimony. He said, Huntley, I want you to see your miracle. And here comes your son, like six foot seven, walking into the church. He got married about a year and a half ago. Uh, truly a God story. It's not a Huntley Brown story. It's a God story. They were desperate. They heard a word, and the word changed their lives. Now, in Scripture, there are many stories of desperate faith. But my all-time favorite one comes from the book of Mark. You know, in Mark chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, it said, it says, some men came, bringing to him, that's Jesus, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And making a long story short, Jesus healed the man. No, I've read this story many times, and one day I'm thinking to myself, whose bright idea was this? Whose idea was it to take off the people's roof? Can you imagine hearing somebody digging through your roof? And after thinking about the story for a while, I came to a conclusion. You know what? The conclusion I drew was, these guys must have been Jamaicans. <laughs> you know, only in Jamaica would we do something this crazy. You know, I came from Jamaica in 1984, and I came to Judson University, like I mentioned. And in 1988, they were having the Winter Olympics in Calgary. I was watching television, and I heard words I'd never heard in my life. Neither have you. The announcer came on on TV, and he said, And now, for the Jamaican bobsled team. We looked up, and the first question we had was, what's a bobsled? <laughs> now, when we discovered what a bobsled was, our next question was, where do they train? You see, we don't have snow in Jamaica. The coldest it gets is 60 degrees, and we're freezing. A bobsled, you put on ice, you slide on a bobsled, and I'm here thinking, what happened? And I think I figured what happened, you know, in Jamaica, they have some stuff you're not supposed to be smoking, okay? <laughs> They're making it legal here and that's bad. But I can see some of my friends in Jamaica, you know, with the dreadlocks, shaking it, sitting on the beach, you know, smoking away. And they say, man, they're having the Winter Olympics. We are desperate. We want to go. What should we do? Maybe that guy just went. Yeah, we should be bobsledding, man. Yeah. Let's go bobsled. Yeah, man. Let's go bobsled. Now, we did not win, but we made it. Why? Because someone was desperate. And by the way, there's a movie, true story, called Cool Runnings. Yeah, that's a true story. I'm sure they took some liberties here, yeah, but it's a true story about that whole thing, okay? But we got to the Olympics on a bobsled. Because we were desperate. Bartimaeus was desperate. How desperate are you this morning? And Bartimaeus kept screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And Jesus said, bring that man to me. 
enemies threw his cloak aside. He jumped and he ran to Jesus. And when he got to Jesus, Jesus asked him a question that puzzled me a very long time. Jesus said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, what kind of a question is this? Isn't it obvious? Doesn't the entire world knows that Bartimaeus wants to see everyone but Jesus? And I discovered the answer finally in lesson number five. Lesson number five. Jesus wants us to be specific. Jesus wants us to be specific with our request. You see, Bartimaeus could have wanted money. He could have wanted clothing. He could have wanted a present from Mrs. Bartimaeus if he was married. He could have wanted something else. But Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? You know, in, in um, Mark chapter 5, we have the story of Jairus. Mark 5.21 says, Jairus said to Jesus, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went. In Mark chapter 5, we also have the woman with the issue of blood. She said to herself, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she was. Now listen to Matthew 8, verse 8. The centurion came to Jesus requesting help for his servant. Jesus said, I will go to your house. Centurion said, no, no, Jesus, no, don't come to my house. Just say the word. Imagine that. Jesus said he's coming to your house, and you're telling Jesus, no. That's exactly what the centurion did. I would have been offended. I would say, are you crazy? Jesus is going to come to your house, and you're telling him, no. But Jesus was not offended. Jesus was astonished. And he said, I have never seen this kind of faith anywhere, not in all of Israel. And all three stories got the answers they were looking for. It's important at the same time to say this. Sometimes you can pray, you can step out in faith, and you do not get the answer you're looking for. Even so, you must still praise God. Why? Because God has to be God. He's not a candy cane God where everything we ask, he gives to us. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. The responsibility we have is to trust God, step out in faith, trust him and believe by saying, God, I'm going to ask you specifically, but I'm going to trust you. For the answer. And Bartimaeus said, Jesus, I want to see. Jesus touched him. And Bartimaeus could see. In closing this morning, if the door should open, and Jesus walks and he comes and he stands right here, and he looks across this audience at each person individually, and he says to you, 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 all across, he said, what do you want me to do for you? 
What is on your heart this morning? Your heart this morning. What are you going through right now that you would want to talk to him about? Are you sick? Do you go to the doctor and the doctor used a very bad word? Doctor said you have cancer. Are you going through a divorce? Or you're saying, I'm struggling with an addiction. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be pornography. It could be depression. It could be anything you think, God, I have tried everything I know how to try. And I, I still mess up. What would you tell him this morning? You might be here saying, God, I do not know if I can take another step. God, I'm trying. I am doing the best that I can. But God... I am depressed. I cannot sleep at night. What are you going through this morning? What would you tell him? Can you go ahead right now and bow your heads? Just bow your heads. Talk to God right now. Tell him exactly what is on your heart. Tell him what you're going through. What's on your mind? Father, you never said the road was going to be easy. But Lord, you promised us that you are going to be with us every step of this journey called life. Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters gathered here. Lord, I do not know what they are going through. Lord, I do not know those who are struggling with depression. Those who are here saying, God, I cannot take another step. Lord, those who are scared, those who are struggling with different addictions and they're saying, God, I am trying. I've done everything I know how to try and I keep messing up and I need your grace. I need your mercy. Father, I thank you, God, that you told us in your word that your mercies are new every single day. So help, Father God, your people to realize that failure is an event, not a person. You are not a failure. Yes, you might have made some mistakes, but take your mistakes to the cross. Don't run from God. Run into his presence like Bartimaeus did. Jesus is asking this morning, what do you want me to do for you? And Father God, as your people reach out to you, I pray God that during this week, Pastor Tim is going to get praise reports from all over the place saying, God, you met me at my point of need, and we had victory. So we give you thanks, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. In the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. In closing, will you go ahead and stand on your feet? This song says, because he lives, you can all face tomorrow. Because he lives... All fear is gone because I know who holds your future. Life is worth the living because Jesus lives. And hear these words as we close our time together this morning. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and 
to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.